Welcome to the Debutiful Podcast Feed. This is the first taste reading series where each week I invite an author to read from their new book and answer a few short questions. You can find Debutiful on the internet at debutiful.net and on all social media at Debutiful. Today's guest is a horror writer, hiker, and trekkie. She has an MFA in creative writing from Columbia University and a bachelor's from NYU, where she studied mythology and the Middle Ages. When she's not driving around the country, she can be found in Los Angeles with her boyfriend and four rescue dogs. Her debut horror novel, Mayfly, is out now. Please welcome CJ Lead. Hey, CJ. How you doing today? Doing great. It's a beautiful foggy day here in Southern California. Ugh. So love and life. I love it. I it is finally getting cooler here, which is in Denver, which is fabulous. I love bad weather. It's my favorite. Yeah, weather. me too. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Um, I get that vibe from you. <laughs> thank thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, the gray is <laughs> the best. I feel like it's it's much easier to be creative, you know. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about that before I get to the reason why you're here. <laughs> yeah. Do you really feel that way? I really, I felt that way my whole life. I feel, I, I grew up in Texas mm. and the sun and the heat is unrelenting. And um, every now and then, you know, like you get these summer Texas thunderstorms mm -hmm. and they're so epic and they like shake the fucking walls. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh that those were always my favorite days. I just felt like it was almost a relief, you know, just to like have a break from this uh, perpetual sun beating down on us. And and then I felt in those moments, like just I, I had ideas and I felt sort of like imagination at work. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I lived in Phoenix forever. And then I when I moved to Denver, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. But then I discovered Denver's a high desert. And I'm like, I was tricked. It's still good. It's like still hot weather all the time. Yeah. Well, and Denver, even when it's cold, right? Like you get over my, so my family in Denver yeah. always, always says the same thing, which is we get over 300 days yeah. of a year. You know, so, it's like yeah, the snow melts almost instantly. And I, I feel bamboozled, <laughs> but I will forgive Denver, I guess. Um your book did you so your book mayfly did you write a lot of it before we get into it a lot of it during like dark and spooky weather events um well i wrote a, so i wrote it in california winter uh -huh. which where like my pocket of california is uh we get some pretty solid like uh marine layer and yeah. winter we basically get like fog and rain and it's fantastic for like half a year really because we get may gray june gloom yeah uh, so it was definitely in that time, but I was doing a lot of like, it was COVID. So like sure. yeah. free sunrise cool. walks, like, so I didn't, you know, cause it was like back when we didn't know if like breathing on people would be a problem you know? yeah. so going out by myself in, in the dark. And, um, it really helped. And on sunny days, I closed the curtains for writing. So, yeah. Awesome. What is, what is Mayfly about for those who haven't encountered it yet? Uh, the quick pitch is a uh, an amusement park princess by day at a park you've never heard of and doesn't actually exist. Um, and a misanthropic barfly by night who also has some sort of bloody uh, interests. And uh, her very kind of cultivated world gets disrupted by a few factors. 
definitely. Um, I don't read a lot of horror fiction, which is weird because I read a lot of horror comic books. Like that's all you I really read. Yeah. And so your book, I, I definitely saw it on the radar. I think like Instagram uh, followers, et cetera. And I was like, this book I need to get my hands on. And I read it way back when, and I was saying this before we recorded and I wrote a note, must interview CJ, <laughs> put it in my drawer. And then like it, you know, out of sight, out of mind, my brain doesn't work. So I'm so excited to get to hear you read from it today. I'm, I'm like, so excited. Um, what part of it we will be reading Thank you. I'm excited to. Well, I'm also, I have to say it feels meant to be because now we get to do it on spooky season. Yes. Halloween. Yeah. Exactly. Halloween. This is perfect. The most yeah. unhallowed time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to read the opening because um, I fought for this opening. Yeah. And like it was actually the one thing in the book I really fought for. And um, not everybody was convinced. And um, it's actually, I think, panned out pretty well for me. And I, I feel good about that. Rad. Take it away. <laughs> and there's a fly. You know, I've got the fly. Okay. Every man shares the same fantasy, and it is this. He will marry a universally beloved sweetheart, live a noble life, and succeed in all the ways his father taught were best. And when he stands at the pinnacle of filial and paternal achievement, when he has finally reached that great height of goodness, honor, and inarguable virility... Then, and only then, his wife, child, and pet should be ripped from him, violently, unforgivably, restoring, ultimately, freedom. Because he has done the good thing, the right thing, and only then become the victim of its vanishing, this virtuous man may now turn with the full support of any onlooker to violence, rage, nihilism, and debauchery, which were his ultimate true aims all along to lose himself in the glorious sanctioned rapture of retribution. How many husbands of wives have lined up at the box office to live out this exact fantasy that they deeply, fundamentally, and brutally desire? Men are insipid, stupid creatures. Here's the truth, the one that so few of us know. You do not need a moral and noble story to do what you want. You do not first need to be a victim to become a monster. Your loved ones need not be taken from you so that you might drink and brutalize and chase the sublime. Life is fleeting and meaningless and crying to be seized from behind and fucked into obscurity. This is my story and you cannot control it. No more, no more than you can the ever lower dangle of your sex or the warming of this fat, lazy prison rock floating in the semen splotch dark. My name is Mayfly. I work at the happiest place in the world. Uh, yeah, I, I want to hear more about if you're able to talk about why you had to fight for it, because that opening <laughs> slaps so hard. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Was it like they didn't want you saying men are stupid or? Oh, was, no, they, know, they uh... were. In fact, that was suggested as the opening line a couple times. Um Got it. I think they were nervous about not dropping in on the action, you know, sure, and it's, it's sure. ideas. We don't know where we're standing. You know, it's not physical. But this was actually these were the first two pages I wrote of the book. And wow. otherwise, I'm a pretty nonlinear writer. But like this was I sat down, had this idea and and they're almost exactly the same as they were yeah. uh, when I when I first wrote them. So that, you know. So like, yeah, like Mayfly just did she come fully formed then like that's a pretty strong voice already 
I think the voice was there. Um, I think uh, so what happened in the edit process was basically um, once I found an editor and we were working on it, uh, the real note I may have had to take out at the uh, suggestion of multiple legal teams, uh, certain (laughs) a good amount of IP. Um, Mm. (laughs) So that was uh, the ending of this opening was a little bit different before. Um, It was a little bit better, I have to say, but, but, you know, we don't want to, run into yeah. any problems any legal but, problems so. yeah not that that would ever happen no. um but uh my editor basically had me add 50 pages so wow. um a good number of scenes came later to kind of like fill things in but the voice was there early and i knew kind of like a handful of the things that she was going to be obsessed with and i knew that those were all going to kind of factor in yeah um what I mentioned I don't read a lot of horror fiction and I'm trying to change that. And I will ask for suggestions later, but what got you into horror? Like, were you always a horror head? No, like not at all. I'm very afraid of things. I've always been very afraid of like everything. I never liked horror movies. Um, I watched Halloween for the first time while writing this book. Mm. Cause I felt like I had to have seen it. Yeah. Uh, I went to grad school for writing and mm-hmm. Um, when I was there, I was handing in stories and, you know, excerpts of things and everything I handed in, a professor said to me, you know, I think you're a horror writer. And I was like, no, there's no way. I mean, I've never even read like any horror. I don't watch it. Um, and he said, no, but like, you've only handed in horror stories. And so then I started, like, I read my first Stephen King. Mm -hmm. Oh, cat. A cat has popped up. Yes. (laughs) So cute. Um, what was your first Stephen King that you read? Uh, The Shining. Yes. Okay. Got it. I mean, yeah, it's so good. I am not to interrupt. I I really love different seasons, which is like the novella with like the body, uh, Shawshank, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, But I listened to the shining. That shit was scary. Like legit scary. Like listening to it. I'm telling you the fact that there's any human being on this planet that can make hedge animals and like a freaking fire hose scary. Like, He's, God love him. Um. So, but yeah, it. I kind of just did a deep dive then, and I was like, oh shit, yeah, this is what I'm writing. This is like what I want to write. This is who I am. And ever since, I mean, these are the stories I have in me for whatever reason. Yeah. Do you? Why do you think that is? That like those? Oh, are the because stories I'm afraid of everything. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you're just putting fears on the page, and like I do think some people are wired to look at any situation and say what's everything that could go wrong right now and that's all that horror novels are right is like what's the worst thing that could happen in this moment and then it usually does do you enjoy horror media now or do you still not vibe with it i do really enjoy it Mm -hmm. um i like i love it all i appreciate and respect it all i enjoy some more than others of course um but i do like when i'm working on like dark characters i have to only read like the fluffiest romance yeah. novels or like or like really old school i love um i'm a big sci-fi fan and so okay. uh sometimes i'll just like also reread like old man's war or something just something like really just kind of different and yeah. a little lighter. for sure yeah i um 
My favorite movie of all time is Silence of the Lambs, which isn't horror. It's like a police procedural that happens. No, it's horror. Yeah, I guess. Yes, yes. Are you kidding? It's (laughs) fucking terrifying. It's like my it was like my favorite childhood movie, which explains a lot about who I am. But I don't like horror movies. I don't like slashers. Like Scream, I enjoy because it's like funny. And I saw The Shining in theaters for the I, the first time ever I saw it because I live in Denver and a theater does it for like Halloween week. Yeah. And, um, and like, even though I read the book, I was like stressed. But then I was like, oh, it's actually not that stressful. I forget. It's like a psychological thing. Like, I hate jump scares. But you um, know what's interesting? So horror is really like, and this is what I've learned, is like, it's the broadest umbrella. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Joe Hill... I think he was the one that said something once about how he felt like one of the truest examples of horror was Handmaid's Tale, which of course, like people call it whatever dystopian fiction. Yeah. But like, I I would say like Silence of the Lambs, hundred percent horror. Yes, um, yeah. And I think like slashers, funny enough, are definitely my least favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. really like interacting with slashers too much, especially after writing this, and I'm yeah. now um, writing more in this world. Uh, which I didn't think I would do, but here I am. And uh, let me tell you, I don't want to read about anybody stabbing anybody. Yeah. Do you mean, yeah. Do you mean writing more in this world as in like a connected universe or just like in the horror world? Uh, Maeve is, Maeve may continue. Maeve may continue. I love it. (laughs) Um, Like, so slasher movies, not a fan of, have you read um, Stephen Graham Jones, like the slasher trilogy he's putting out? Yeah, and I have to say, actually, it was one of the best educations I could have gotten because each time he referenced something, I would immediately go watch it. Yeah, And I'm obsessed with him anyway. I think Mm -hmm. he's he's just an incredible voice. And Grady Hendrix put out a great slasher the same year, that same year, I think it was the same year, Final Girls Support Group. And so both Mm -hmm. of those were really like my literary slasher education. And then I went and watched like basically the first movie in every one of those franchises. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Like I said, I, I've read uh, the, I'm forgetting it. Uh, my heart is a chainsaw. I have a, yeah. the first one in uh, Stephen Graham Jones's trilogy. I haven't read the second one and the third one's coming out, but he did an event at tattered cover when I was the tattered cover events guy and yeah, same thing. It was like an education. And just to hear him speak, like, so I think a lot of people give genre, and I'm putting that in quotes, like flack. And I think I did for a course, long yeah. time. Like that was like, I was a pretentious yeah. asshole. And, <laughs> and and I'm not saying like, I, my opinions have been shifting and my tastes have been shifting, but seeing him speak so passionately and like so intelligently and educationally, like we could teach so slashers. Smart. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, well, both he and Grady, I would say, just have like insane encyclopedic knowledge and they're both just like insanely great writers. Uh, and Stephen Graham Jones actually read this. Actually, both of them read the book. And, that and they was both blurbed it. Yeah, book. that was right. Yeah, that was that was pretty major for me. Um, but have you read? Uh, oh, my God. How am I blanking on the name? Uh, uh, the Only Good Indians. I haven't. It's on my, I, it's oh my, on my list. The problem with Day Beautiful is I don't go back and read things that like I missed because I'm like stressed about reading every debut out there. I got to get a oh, healthier relationship. Sound, sounds like a stressful yeah. <laughs> But you're, I think you would love it. It's, um, it's I'll bump pretty, it up on my list. Pretty amazing. And like it gets you on that psychological level. And it really, it really kind of um 
bothered me. I had to, I was listening to it at night and mm-hmm. I had to stop and kind of like uh, take breaks. Yeah. Have you read, this is just turning into a, have you read, let's talk about yeah, yeah. podcast, which whatever, <laughs> like every day, beautiful podcast is different. Have you read Lauren Bukes at all? Like, I think she's like an Australian writer. She oh. So her most famous book, I believe it's called Shining Girls. Um, oh, I've seen that, but I've never read it. And then, but the one that I read, well, listened to, which is still reading, is called Broken Monsters. My father lives in Maine. I was at his cabin listening to this book, stressing the fuck out. And like, <laughs> the best. So, and like, that was 2014. So I guess I have dabbled in horror writing a while, like for a while, listening to it or reading it. But uh, yeah, anyway, I just, there's just so many writers out there and this is what this is turning into, but uh, I'll, I'll refocus on your, your book. Um, and I think we've kind of answered it, but if, in case people missed it, what horror genre does Mayfly fall into? Uh, well, definitely a slasher, but I mm-hmm. do think there's a bit of like grief horror, you mm. know, um, which is, which is kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Typically, grief horror starts, you know, where somebody is lost Um, in this book. Like, obviously, it's it's her fear of losing people that's mm-hmm. sort of like lurking all the time. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I really just wanted to see myself more uh, myself just as like a just like a female person mm-hmm. um, in like an American psycho world. And I wanted to feel in a time where I felt like um life was really spinning out of my control i just wanted to be like you know pretend patrick bateman for a while and uh, it was fun did you feel like putting yourself in like that patrick bateman american psycho mayfly world like how did it help or hurt you psychologically getting into like this (laughs) weird headspace (laughs) I mean, I went insane um, and and I am I am working on potential further material uh, for for Maeve. And it is crazy. Like I almost can't quite like see people or um, I have to like I live with my boyfriend. And um, at the end of one of those writing days, I have to kind of like take take a walk, like a long walk yeah. and remember like how to be a human being. Uh, we do have small animals who, you know, animals are the best because they always remind you of your humanity yeah. and how to like gently love and exist. Um, but I think the fun of such a kind of like messed up, you know, like unhealthy character um, and not that I would presume to put her on the same level, but, you know, like mm-hmm. I would imagine for Hannibal Lecter, it's the same thing. But like, sure. um, you know you are in that space not the victim of anything except potentially yourself and it feels very powerful and i think um there's something quite freeing in that experience because in the world like there there is just so much that we don't control that is really horrifying yeah yeah i i do find that's why i think i i mentioned horror comics a lot i do like to get into like the, the psyche because a lot of comic books are like they're thought bubbles it's like we're just it, it's not surface level but it's just easier than like 12 pages of exposition or something um, 100%. but uh, i do I, I really enjoyed mayfly because yeah i was just like like wtf like what's happening like, i didn't know what, what was gonna happen which i think <laughs> is like what good like 
horror umbrella does because you're right it's like what's the worst thing that could happen and then like sometimes you do lean into that you as you and then you as the horror writers all of you and then sometimes you're like i'm going to subvert that expectation which is good writing yeah anyway i'm just complimenting your i didn't know where mayfly was going that's my compliment section which is i say this a lot on the podcast when you start (laughs) rambling and i don't edit it out i want people to know i'm just a fan of all the writers i talk to Thank you. Well, well, I will happily take it. Um, do you ever see yourself writing like more straight mystery or straight literary fiction, whatever that means? Or do you think like there's always going to be a tinge of horror? I think that there will always be a tinge of like darkness. Darkness. Like, I just don't think I'm going to write like a normcore kind of like story. Um, but uh i i would like to, i'm working on some romance on the side i'd Ooh. like to write uh thrillers at one point i'd like i have a couple ideas for more like literary novels but but i suspect they're gonna end up falling into like horror or thriller as well i think it's just kind of like i can't quite help it at this point but you know i'm 31 hopefully there's a lot of life ahead yeah. and uh, 60 years of writing left hopefully yeah and i i like writing so i'm trying to put out a book a year and just kind of keep it rolling yeah is book two how's it going without talking about what it's about just like how you feeling about it where is it at and like the process well i can i can talk about it um a little bit so uh we just I don't know if I can reveal the title, but we just got it. We confirmed a title, so that's exciting. There's a title. It in uh, last October, and we're finishing edits right now. And uh, I actually have it behind my laptop on this desk right here. I'm doing line edits. Um, and it's set in the Midwest. It's another story that's very much about place. Um, and it's my sort of like Catholic sin, guilt, shame, sex novel. Ugh. I, we, yes, next time you are in Denver visiting your family, because I went to Catholic school growing up for you a little my bit. people, there we go. Yes, you know uh, the guilt. Yeah. Oh, I talk about Catholic, I didn't, I, I mean, I left Catholic school like at third grade and went to like public school, but the Catholic guilt is driven in you, even like as an eight-year-old. I find it very hard, actually. I'm really trying in this book to convey it. But it's, I, I find it difficult to convey what it really feels like to filter your every thought through the lens of like, like, like no thought is just your own, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jesus knows it, God knows it, devil knows it, demons know it, they're all hearing it. Yeah, well, I can't <laughs> wait for that book. Oh man, hell yeah. Is that like, a, <laughs> just because I'm I'm curious as a fan now, like a, so a 2024? 20, uh, 24 October. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. This was the June release, which I'm not like criticizing anybody, but it feels like it should have been a fall release. Well, you know what it was? Uh, they did me a solid and Summer Slot is one. Of, I mean, they're they're all yeah, good. It does sell. Everything's yeah, yeah. a good slot. But I think they were. Um, additionally, we sold it to them a full year and a half before it came out. Wild. So yeah. it was kind of like to push it because it, they were yeah. backlogged with COVID. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Nightfire is putting out bangers left and right. It's okay, sort of yeah. shocking. And they just started, I think in 2019 um, as an imprint. And they're like, it's, it's insane. The canon. Rad. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's cool to get to be a part of it, but uh, no, yeah, for sure. October next year. And um, 
I'm, I can't wait. I'm, we talked about pushing it into winter, but I was like, you know, I can't go to the Midwest for events in winter. No. So I don't think anybody would come. So. Yeah, that that's a bitter cold. Um, could you give a shout out to like the creative team that did the cover? Because it's one of my favorites of the year. Isn't it so cool? Okay, yeah. so um, it's actually a painting. Okay. And this woman, Carly Janine Mazur did it. And I don't know. I imagine she's got the full size painting somewhere. Maybe she's thrown it away by now. Um, but she is she's amazing. Um, yeah. And she's done. She does a lot of paintings on her own and makes like creepy dolls and also has done the art for like a couple magic gathering cards. Like I'm just cool. like a big fan of hers. And then the Nightfire um, cover person christine i mean she she took a painting and basically made it look like a book yeah. and i think that those the two of them it was just insane it was amazing no that's so awesome and um yeah i just like to give when their whole package is good i like to talk about it um well i had i really didn't have much to do with it you know like yeah. it wasn't the only thing i really fought for was like i really like old school looking vintage this is yeah. the galley but um mm -hmm. i wanted serif fonts i fought a lot for serif fonts inside and i like i like a vintage look i'm waiting yeah. for gloss covers to come back i love a gloss you yeah. know like old stephen king's and even like danielle Steele. you know like all yes. of those. so uh, fun. we vibe on a lot of things i love it <laughs> um other than grady hendrix and stephen graham jones who i think we shouted out a lot what yeah. other horror writers or shows or movies do like seep into like what you're vibing with um, so many, uh, I, I was really lucky to get to briefly study under Victor Laval, who wrote, uh, the changeling, I think is one of the most perfect horror novels ever written mm -hmm. or, or just novels ever yeah, written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have you read it? So yeah. Yeah. I, it's like one yeah. of the few like horror novels I have read. Um, am I, he wrote a few other things too, right? Or am I crazy? Oh, a lot of, yeah. yeah okay. Okay. I'm just making, Ballad I'm really, yeah, he's great. Yeah, I um, yeah, read it. I'm just yeah. looking him up now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so good, and I'm trying to think. I don't think I've read anything else from him. Well, I, I he's kind. Of, he's so consistently good, and he has a new one out that I haven't read yet, uh, Lone Women. But I've I've been hearing it's awesome. But um, I'm a huge Mike Flanagan fan, and mm. actually talking about The Shining. Uh, he did the Dr. Sleep movie mm -hmm. and it's so good. I yeah. think that's like the most underrated. I don't know what happened. It fell under the radar, but it's crazy good. Um, I love all his shows. Midnight Mass is my favorite. If you want to talk great Catholic. Um, that is literally, I was just talking about that yesterday yeah. with, with Lady Day Beautiful, as I call her. And I'm like, <laughs> I want I want to throw this on. Especially like maybe just for Halloween weeks, it's like six episodes, right, or eight episodes. It's pretty short. Yeah, I've watched it a couple times. I mean, it it's yeah. it's amazing. I definitely want to do that. Uh, yeah, we've been watching X Files, which I guess is more sci-fi, but there's so good. I've never seen it, and we're doing one episode a night, and it's like super good because it's like it's not meant to be binged. So getting that twenty-four hour break, it's like okay, instead Absolutely. of the week-long break, you know. Yeah. I love the pace of TV in the 90s and early 2000s and even before and mm -hmm, their mm -hmm. their tension is so just off the charts yeah well now i mean okay we don't have to talk about this i'll let you go but now it's like shows have to rely on like a cliffhanger because it's a 
they're writing to binge. Like the I writing well, is so different. If you really want to hear an opinion here, yes, so I do. I'm a big Trekkie. Um, I, and... yes, I meant to bring that up. I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, the thing about Star Trek is like it's so consistent. We've all we've basically always had it since mm-hmm. the 60s, right? Yeah. There was a gap for a while, but um they were putting out 30 episode seasons and every seat every episode was like an hour and Mm -hmm. people loved it it was great for the actors it was great for the people who made the shows it was great for the viewers and now we live in this world where like everybody people only have an attention span for 10 episodes and they have to condense it so much and they're killing it like they're still so good yeah I i miss the days where we really got to just live you know on a ship with these people for a long time and get to like and Star Trek has horror episodes. It has mm-hmm. it has every kind of genre in these episodes. Anyway, we're not talking about Star Trek, but no, but I-, I love Star Trek. <laughs> um, oh, I don't. I shouldn't have said that. I enjoy Star Trek. I need to. Get, I try. I want to get more into it. I I try the next generation, and like I don't think it's bingeable. Like it's not meant to be. So I have to like set a schedule yeah. to watch it. And next um, gen also. This is like. This is an intimidating thing for me to say, I guess, but it becomes perfect by season seven. Okay. (laughs) It's still great up to season seven, but by season seven, you're like, this is the greatest television. Got it. See, that gives me something to look forward to because normally it's like the show falls off at season five. Oh, yeah. Most shows. All of Star Trek, actually, except maybe Voyager, uh, tends to get better and better as the shows go along because the actors also kind of like start influencing their characters more and the writers, like the really good writers, start coming back a bunch. And I love it. That's, yeah, I will. That's maybe that will be our next like throwback watch because I always like to have one at all times of what I'm watching. You Uh, might like deep space nine also i mean they're all so good what is your okay if i'm only gonna watch one i'm gonna make you <laughs> oh, pick God. and we'll end there if well i would say to anybody who needs a starting point who's coming at it from today you will miss a lot by doing this like but you could always rewatch it later but you could always start with strange new worlds because the newest one, right? yeah and yeah. it's very bingeable and it gives you the vibe i actually think the movies they did with the kirk spock yeah it's a good way in because the kirk spock dynamic has always been incredible yeah. and uh they kind of crushed it yeah i liked the the jj abrams star trek yeah. reboot I, I i saw the second one and the third one i don't think i ever watched is there a third one? That, I think there might be. I think that first one was really like so in the spirit of. I love the original yeah. series. That's where I came in on the show. Sure. And if you have, if you can slow yourself down to that pace, I think the original series is the most fun. Thank you so much to CJ Lead for joining the First Taste Reading Series for this spooky Halloween episode. You can get her book, Mayfly, anywhere you get your books, preferably an independent bookstore. And you can find her on the internet at cjlead.com. And her Instagram handle is siegethemoment, C-E-E-J, the moment. You can find Daybeautiful at daybeautiful.net and on all social media at daybeautiful. And as always, I'm Adam. This is Daybeautiful. And you're all beautiful.